Izzy, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, good little connection there through one of our, well, what, I say a pest. You say he's a pest. <laughs> a mutual person. I wouldn't say friend. Should we not say his name? No, I'm, no, I'm not. No props for him today. He'll hate that. <laughs> how you been? Great, thank you. Yeah, yeah, the weather's not the best, but it feels like we're in the sunshine in here. These lights are really good for your seasonal affective <laughs> disorder, so I'm happy. <laughs> I just need a bit of sun. I think <laughs> I lost my tan. I know what's going on. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've been I've been having a bit of a snoop recently on everything you've been doing. You're mm. a busy girl. Mm-hmm. What, uh, you know, I, I, I want to ask you a few questions, but like, I love seeing women, like driven with women, because... Mm-hmm. It kind of builds that confidence for other women to mm-hmm. be like, hey, that's, mm-hmm. this is achievable. You know, where does this drive come from for you? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing so much, you're doing these public talks, you're mm-hmm. doing these International Women's Days. Yeah. You know, you're working in the university as a recruit. Or how would you explain a head of? Yeah, so I'm director of student recruitment at the university. And that's my day job, which bleeds into the weekends and the evenings because I'm, I'm really passionate about it. Um, the university I work for is set up to help make university accessible to everyone so a lot of what we're doing is like helping disadvantaged young people so for me as a passion to make that my day job is a bit cliche but I've made giving back my day job so that that is just like its own entity and I love it but I think what I've realized from interfacing with the students over the last two and a half years particularly the girls Mm. is that there is a confidence crisis and I think that's been made worse by covid and it's so funny you should mention that like my thing is hyping other girls up but it's because only recently I've realized that you can say one thing to someone uh, within your network whether you know them well or not that's just like go on you can do it and they'll do it and it's just about it's just about positive reinforcement so if I can do that across my platforms and sometimes I'm silly and I can be serious as well then I like that's good enough for me but doesn't that show when you're you know your your true self Mm -hmm. that you know this like hey she's not just you know cracking the whip hustling yeah, yeah. all day it's yeah. like you know there's a fun side and a serious side yeah and, yeah but like it sounds like you said giving back mm-hmm. like this is your job but it, it brings so much joy yeah to yeah you. so when you say that the the with the university is uh for what is it do you say for um so the, it's university academy 92 we're co-founded by the class of 92 so mm. famous footballers gary neville yeah, yeah. phil neville etc and lancaster university and the whole premise of it from the class of 92 was they recognized that the things that so alex ferguson taught them Uh, and Manchester United taught them during their time there isn't represented in education so we need a disruptive approach to that but the sort of second uh, vision or mission if you will is to give back to Greater Manchester a city that they're all proud to be a part of so we're existing in like youth zones boxing clubs barber shops the chicken shop the mosque the church building trust in the communities I've got a great team around me and we're making a real difference so it's lovely that's amazing so so how does that incorporate into barbershops into churches into mosques how do they incorporate that so i think there's a misconception about um people that don't go to university are they're hard to reach in Mm. that um they're unaccessible they're not existing in the traditional places where you'd be able to talk about university as a pathway but they're not hard to reach we're just in the wrong places as as an industry so we still do a lot in schools and colleges don't get me wrong which is typically where you find young people 16 to 18 who I suppose are considering the next steps but if you keep going to the same places then you're going to keep getting the same results so one of the boys will go and play ping pong ping pong in the youth zone like three nights a week and I can tell that other people would probably look at that and think that's not work but it is because he's building trust over and over again over a period of time yeah, yeah. so rather than having this fleeting we're going to do this nice altruistic thing we're like how can we give back how can we role, be role models within the communities we're a part of so wow. it's class yeah how did you come across this you know I've seen obviously you're highly connected with them a lot but more importantly Gary I mm-hmm. think Gary Neville how do you how did that journey or connecting with him happen so I've had a purely sales career until like two and a half years ago. I've worked in like big tech companies. I was running like sales and recruitment departments. And then I took another job on a whim. And in lockdown, I was like, whoa, I really don't like what I'm doing. Like I don't like my day job. Because when all the the buzz of the office is taken away and the social and the, the people that you chat to, yeah. the cups of tea in the kitchen, you really realise what your actual job is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm just not enjoying this. So I wanted to find something where I could take like my commercial skill set, my sales, my strategy, and apply it to something with a better, more community-focused end goal. 
And um, this is why I believe in the power of networking because mm. a year earlier I'd sat at my cousin's wedding next to a girl who worked at UA92 and I didn't know her, but I spoke to her all night and it turns out she was director of marketing and this role came up over the road and I have a list of unicorn companies, companies that I'd always like to work for and this oh, is one yeah, of them because yeah. that's the only way you can keep your alerts clean and neat and it came up and I just thought, do you know what, I've got nothing to lose, I'll message her. So I messaged to say, I've not got the skills or the experience on paper, but I know I can do it and I've got the passion. Do you think I should apply? And she said, yeah. And the rest is history, really. Wow. Um, Gary's really a lot more involved than I thought he would be, I suppose, from applying. He's the class of 92 representative on the board. So he's like helping drive the direction of the organization and he does a lot with the student recruitment team with my team so wow. I can't I actually like when you speak to people about it and you realize where you are I'm like oh yeah, doing yeah. good there well done <laughs> yeah well it comes down to again just listening to that is just you've gone in with your you know your authentic self into that mm-hmm. opportunity to speak to that lady not knowing yeah what, what would outcome. come from it you yeah, know, you're yeah. not in the my, my backside of the, like the my narrative of this conversation is to hope to get yeah, with, yeah. just being in your true self yeah and the next thing then this is just amazingly happened yeah. for you and, and you've worked your butt off as well. Yeah. You know, let's not just say it's, um, it's ticking boxes <laughs> no. and being nice at the right time, but yeah, it, um, it must show a lot about you as a person though, like your, your values, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just, you're, you're probably, you know, very empathetic, very caring. Do you know what? First and foremost, I'm very competitive yeah, and nice. I've got two younger sisters and when you've got two younger sisters, <laughs> the eldest one has to pave the way. So I think that like spurs me on. But with with sisters comes a level of like compassion and also wanting to make them proud. So yeah. I think I recognise a level of privilege that I've had in my life. Um, I've had great parents who've really looked after me, pushed me to be my best. But I exist at an intersection of race, class, age, and gender. In most of the spaces I exist, I can be a minority in four or two of those things at mm. once. And I think I need to recognise the privilege that. I have and the platform that I have and use that to help other people who have like who are less fortunate essentially yeah. do, do you um, think your your journey your upbringing and whatnot has you know been you have had knocks on the road on the oh, way yeah like so like uh, it's been international women's week last week so I was doing a lot of key a lot of keynotes and um, it's funny what you compartmentalize and forget about people ask questions about uh, you know how gender or age or race has been a barrier in my career and you recount stories and you see people's face and you're like oh my god yeah. I can't I can't believe I allowed that but throughout my career I've had like a number of different challenges but I suppose if I'm in the right room and I'm being hurt then I'm still further along than most people mm. so it's a school of hard knocks isn't it yes it I think you know you know what like I think you need some form you definitely need some form of hardship or you, not a hardship like um how, what's the word like something that yeah. challenges you yeah if you don't have that challenge like it's t- and you're in that comfort yeah there's no growth you've got to have adversities mm-hmm. you've got to have and i'm not saying adversity is like you're down in the dumps you can't get out mm-hmm. you know literally like challenges every day where you go hey is this uh, is this making me a better person or is this actually you know doing the opposite for me something i've talked about for the longest time in talent alert in one of my first jobs is like the paper round gene and i think sometimes that can be lost so do you know the hardest job you've ever had like cold calling mm. door knocking whatever it was your worst day at that job if you just remember that till the end of time then all of your other jobs thereafter are going to be better oh, yeah. but i think some people have never had that paper round gene anymore Correct. the school of hard knocks and so there's like a level of like almost complacency and mm. when things are a tiny bit tough it feels really tough but yeah. in actual fact if you've had either a tough upbringing or some tough jobs then you've got the resilience and the tenacity that you need to get you through but 100%. how do you I try and hire for that paper around jeans mm. someone that's uh, sold sweets in the playground when they weren't allowed to or worked at McDonald's that for me demonstrates that someone is yeah. hard graft it's interesting you say that I had a before I got into um you know uh, mentoring and podcasting mm-hmm. my previous job before that in australia was uh, it's nbn so over here it's called open reach like your internet telecommunication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it's basically like a government job where you go around connecting people's internet in the houses and for me it was really easy mm-hmm. because the job i had before that was like demolition work with <laughs> sheep uh, removing asbestos with mask and suit on in australia where mm-hmm. heat can get up to 35 degrees and now every day i'd go home like from a 12-hour day lying in bed in my body would ache or I'd have to go to the gym after and train mm. and then I went to this job which was like seven till three <laughs> you're basically your own boss no one bothers you as long as you're getting your jobs done mm. and I was like wow like this is like so easy yeah 
And then I'd speak to other people who've been in the industry for 25 years and they've literally done it from school. Mm -hmm. And they would complain every day of how hard it is. And I'm like, hey, it's all it, it really interesting because it comes back to perspective yeah. and your journey and, and what you see as hard compared mm -hmm. to what someone else is. So again, putting yourself through some hard places, mm -hmm. character builds you in it. And you can go down another path then when adversities hit you, you go, hey, well, this is not too bad. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting, like, you know, that concept that you just said. Yeah. But, you know, when you did that demolition job, mm. like, it was a means to an end, most likely. Yeah, yeah. But you knew you had to just get through it and get it mm. done. And I think we've maybe become a society where we're like, especially sort of people my sister's age who I mentor quite frequently, they're like, my job's shit. Yeah. I hate it. I'm leaving. But sometimes it's okay to just stay in a shit job for a little bit and, mm. I don't know, take those lessons. But yeah. I think we've become a... Uh, we've become a place where you can just apply easy apply online all the time on linkedin yeah. so the minute you're unhappy you just look rather than trying to figure out what it is that you want next i think that concept can happen like look at dating apps i know i was this soon as you said it's like bang, social media yeah you know like it, if we're not getting in one avenue we're getting in another avenue mm -hmm. we're getting our fix somewhere it can it correlates in so mm -hmm. many ways but mm -hmm. i think yeah you've got to challenge yourself and you said something earlier with the unicorn unicorn list, list. Yeah, explain yeah. that okay well I won't tell you the companies on it because <laughs> I love my job and I'm never leaving um but I think I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm running away from a company ever again I want to always mm. be like considered because you make bad decisions in that scenario so but maybe five years earlier I devised a unicorn list I'll tell you one of the companies on there that I haven't worked at Adidas. Adidas mm. have a head office in Stockport. Adidas is a very cool brand. Mm. I know people that work there that love it. So for me, if one day an opportunity came up there, that would be cool. And I think people would think, how does that tie in with higher education? But yeah. then again, as as typically women, we need to recognise that transferable skills are so valuable and we can apply to pretty much any industry. Mm. And we, we treat them as completely different entities, but they're not. There's so much similarity in everything. So... Adidas is an example of someone that's on my unicorn list. University Academy 92 was on my unicorn list, whereby I'd looked, there wasn't an opportunity, but let me make a note to keep checking in there every mm. few months, every quarter. Let me connect with the hiring manager so they can see the stuff that I'm posting on LinkedIn and mm. they can see that I'm growing my personal brand. So when the right opportunity does come around, they already kind of know my name. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. So you, yeah, I like the I like the whole some kind so social engineering, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's true as well. It's pretty amazing though. Mm. But I'm just curious of where this all comes from. Um, I don't know. As I asked me that, I just get up and do it. Um, I used to see my dad go to work every day, and I didn't really know what he did. Know what he did, but I just knew he worked hard. And I thought I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then, do you know when you were getting a bit older and you had to do a bit of work experience yeah. days? I'd go to London with him on the odd occasion and I'd sit in a meeting with him and everyone listened to him, like hung off every word. He lit up the room. And I realised he wasn't just working smart, he was working hard. And also he was building like really good relationships with people that fully bought into him. And I never knew what he did and I still probably couldn't tell you what his job was at that time. But looking back, I, was, I liked his hustle and I liked the humanity of what he was doing. And I think I've just tried to emulate that. I don't know, I, I don't wow. know the reason. That's pretty cool. Well, it gives a bit of an answer there. So yeah. do you would you say growing up your dad's someone you'd look up to then yeah 100 percent. and even now um as you grow up you know your lives go different ways but mm. if i'm having a, a problem at work or i've got a big presentation coming up i'll ring him and say like how would you broach this and whereas i used to listen to him 100 percent, i might listen to him 90 percent now and put 10 percent of my own spin on it but yeah he's he's hugely shaped my career and my approach to the challenges and like conflicts and stuff like that that i've had within it that's cool yeah again that's amazing mm. and it's pretty cool like I'd ask you the first, if you could reflect on the first time you did your first ever talk mm. and to where you are now, right? So people always think that you've got to be perfect all the time, right? <laughs> if you reflect, I remember my first ever podcast or first ever time I had to stand up and talk. It's pure trash, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But you've got to, all it is, you've got to start, right? Yeah. I think that people, so like, if you think about the first time you ever had to talk in public, it was probably when your parents made you order a bill at a restaurant. Mm. Well, that's, that sounds like very like a really posh thing. But something like that where... Snobby, that Sorry, way. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. Just like the literal pub around the corner from my house. But like public speaking is everything. It's negotiating a new phone contract on the phone to Vodafone mm. who are trying to rip you off. It's... Um, Asking someone at the gym front desk like how to use a machine but not feeling confident to do it. So we've all had these instances of public speaking, whether we think we're public speaking professionals or not. And I yeah, think yeah. that's a stigma we need to break. But I remember the first ever time 
I spoke publicly and because my way to deal with anything difficult is humour is a terrible trait. I just oh. I have to laugh. I just laugh. <laughs> just laughing. Kind of like now. But immediately people could see I was nervous and on the whole, people are quite nice. Like yeah, when yeah. you're in an audience and you, you're visibly nervous, you're not cocky, you're like, oh God, this is humbling. Mm. I think people get behind you more. It. So last week I spoke and I'd, I'd had a tough week and I, I just knew I wasn't going to be on point and I sort of preface that not by underselling myself but just by saying oh, I'm not sure how this is going to go but we're all in it together and immediately yeah amazing. people are at ease amazing. and I think we think public speakers have to articulate like Obama who is waxes yeah. lyrical and everything he speaks about I could listen to him all day but actually authenticity goes a long way 100% I think being your true self up there on stage and, and like you know not pronouncing the word correctly or or, or make like doing make a joke yeah make it something up <laughs> on the spot and you're like you know no one's remembering that word, no. you know, and I say this like analogy, just like people who are sports players or whatnot, you know, we, if we make a mistake in that moment, right? We can't afford to dwell on that mistake mm-hmm. for another 20 or 60 minutes because life moves on. Yeah. We literally got to have be like a goldfish and just be like next job, just, yeah. you know, roll on to the next and it's, um, or just like learn from it. So one thing I do with public speaking that I suppose you could apply to sport, to everything, to pitching, to to everything, to teaching. I record myself, like it mm. maybe sounds quite narcissistic saying it out loud, but I'm going to tell you. So like last week I had quite a few talks, so I record myself practicing and then I listen back without watching, watch mm. back without listening and critique each thing and then I'll listen and watch together and it'll all come together and then I save those videos so iteratively over time I can see my progress Mm. and I think a big part of confidence is just proving that you can do it to yourself so if you look back at that first video which I will never show you (laughs) and the video (laughs) videos last week I can see the marked improvement and instead of being so harsh on myself I pick one thing that was great I always say the thing that was great first Mm. to myself this is just to myself in the mirror and then I pick the thing that I know I need to work on and I think I think from a development perspective as humans, we need to be less critical of ourselves. hundred oh, percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were talking about how they're f- feeling, you know, down at, at this current moment in their life. And he was talking about it in a certain way. And then he was saying, I think, you know, X, Y, and Z, this, that, and the other. And he goes, I, I work 60, 70 hour weeks. Mm. I have one day off on a Sunday, but if I chill out for too long, I feel guilty. Yeah. And I said, how long have you been doing this for? And they're like, oh, eight eight, nine years. Mm. So it's like, you've hardwired your brain to be mm-hmm. doing that many hours every day of a week. So when you have a chill time, mm-hmm. um, you don't know that feeling because you haven't sat with it long enough. Yeah. And he feels obligated to do something else after that. Yeah. And then anyway, he, he basically said how, if someone then gets up him, he'll just erupt because he's, he feels in his head, he's done those he's six hours weeks, he's yeah. on edge, he's burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what, man? Like, you know what would actually help this situation is mm-hmm. like, when's the last time you've been complimented on your work? Yeah. Or like someone said, hey, you're doing a good job. Yeah. We're so good at critically like saying, hey, like you're amazing what you do, but. So like, yeah. Ignore the start of that sentence because you've said, but. Yeah. But the truth is this part. Yeah. Like, and we'll tell them a negative. And I just think that we've got to be more conscious about telling people what they're doing well. Yeah. Because hey, if you just, if that guy just got, or that girl just got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, you're actually doing a really good job. Yeah. Like, stop me, don't be so hard on yourself, and it's mm. okay to chill. Yeah. You feel more inserted in yourself to be like, that is okay to feel that way. The bakery based in Halifax. If you are a chocolate cake fan just like me and love a top quality brew, then check out the amazing team on Copperley Road and in the Peace Hall in Halifax. The bakery. The customer service is amazing, but more importantly, the food is even better. I can guarantee you will leave with a smile on your face and a full stomach. Honestly, guys, the food there is to die for. If you are in the Halifax area, get yourself down to the bakery on Copley Road and the Peace Hall. Customer service is amazing. But like I said, more importantly, if you have a chocolate sweet tooth like me and want your little fix, get down there because the food, the treats, the chocolate, the breakfast, the lunches, everything is amazing. So check it out, guys. I do think it changed culturally though. I've never worked in America, but I've visited for work. Mm. And I think there's a lot more positive reinforcement as a culture than there is in the UK. And I think 
like my friends take the mic at me and call me hype queen because I'm the first person to be like, oh my God, that's amazing. No matter what it is, let me tell you that's great. But I think it's less of a thing here. But yeah. can I tell you three things that I've learned recently? One of them for Gary Neville, if I'm having a bad day, he says, did you honestly think every day was going to be a good day? Mm. And you, we didn't, we've, we've not grown up thinking every day was going to be perfect. Yeah. And that's a, a stark reminder, like, okay, shake it off. And I know that's not always the case. The second thing that you said was about the positive reinforcement, like a tough day, tough mm. day toolkit. So all of the like nice praise or feedback that I've ever had, this again sounds so narcissistic, but I have an album of it on my phone. Ooh. And if having a bit of a like shitty day yeah. or I don't know, I've lost direction, I just look back on it and I'm like, okay, that's okay. And the last thing I do, because I am that man who has worked that many hours a week yeah, yeah. and done it for years and then feels guilty on a Sunday when I just want to watch Drive to Survive and relax. <laughs> I look back through my diary through Outlook and I see what I've had, what I've booked in, or I look through my camera roll and I see how many things I've done. And immediately the guilt is appeased because I know I've been so busy and yeah. I've earned that rest. Earned it. Yeah. That's amazing. But that, that's so cool to hear is because it shows, it shows like, you know, that you can reflect and that mm-hmm. self-awareness to be able to like, you know, just recognize it. Yeah. Some people don't recognize it and yeah. they just, keep pushing through that and then they realize they're in a massive burnout they're in bed or they're sick or you know they're, they're trying to find uh external things to find that yeah, gratification yeah. you know so yeah. it's it's interesting i think so i did this retreat once and on the retreat everyone had to write something good about someone else put in a letter and then put it there you didn't know who it was from Aww. so you had like 20 people there and they'd all write something about you but you wouldn't know it was from yeah and it was a really good time you know at that period i, I, I don't have the letters anymore but like it was, you know, I think I was cleaning out my wardrobe yeah, or something yeah. and it was in there and uh, the next thing you're reading it, you're uh, like, bang, bang, and it hits you right so in the heart. Nice. And I just think, you know, like if that's what that feeling does to you right there, yeah. what can that happen? What can we do as a business or as an organization mm-hmm. if we can implement that? You know, um, we talk about culture in yeah. business. Like I've seen that you talk about culture in business. I personally think culture in a business is not just putting a snooker table in the middle no. of the room and going, hey, be, be friends. <laughs> like uh, culture in a business is actually going and, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, how's your partner? How's the kids? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned a couple of months ago, it's your daughter's birthday. Is it coming up? And yeah. generally caring about each other, not mm. actually just going, hey, um, look at this funny reel on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I think culture is like lost or meaning, don't you think, as a word? So like, mm. I think it's been banded around so much especially at work. Whereas now for me, culture is just the sum value of your staff, not necessarily them being happy all the time, but how bought in they are to what they're doing, whether it's one tiny part of their role or the overall organizational objective. And I think where I am now, I'm so lucky because there's like a culture of psychological safety. So I can say my issues, I can say my mm. ideas in equal measure. I can talk about my personal life and my professional stuff as much or as little as I want to. And I think that culture then reflects every individual's personal needs and wants yeah whereas i've worked in places where they've done friday beers and called it culture and then you just have to drink a smell of ice and pretend you have yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> well i'm on I'll, i agree with that i'm on this challenge that i've done it twice now this is my second time around 75 hard. oh my god so have i i knew to get on Pardon? i just finished it have you on christmas eve eve amazing well yeah. i've just I've, this is my second time around doing it and um it's weird it's what well, i'm doing it like just... <laughs> you're doing it again yeah i just want i'm I think, you know, again, it comes down to challenging yeah. yourself. And I think we need resets in every time of the year. And, you know, 75 hard for me is a game change. And I've done it. And I've just, I'm hooked on it now. But I'm at a stage now where, <sighs> for instance, I went to London last weekend and caught with some friends. And, mm-hmm. like, we literally went to about eight pubs. Like, it was like, walk, 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 pub, walk, 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 pub. Yeah. And I was on sparkling waters the whole time. While oh, really? Like, yeah, you managed it? Fair yeah. enough. But, like, it comes down again. Yeah. Putting yourself first. Like mm-hmm. people don't understand the meaning of saying no and yeah. how powerful no is. Sometimes it's easier to say yes than no. Um, and if you can do these things, you know, it's being comfortable in who you are and yeah. your values. And I think and some people are like, oh, you're just a boring bastard. But no, it's like, well, I want to actually challenge myself. Yeah. I want to see how far I can push myself. Yeah. But I think coming back to the, 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 the you know, businesses and, and whatnot. Mm. You know, like I think alcohol is slowly weaning out. I, I think agree. it is. I agree. I read a book. Um the art of being sober, I'll lend it you. And it talks about how statistically the younger generations are drinking less and less than like their parents did. Mm-hmm. So I think like there'll be a seismic shift over time whereby less people associate culture within companies with social drinking and there'll be more alternatives. I hope so anyway, because I live an hour from work and for me to go to a drinking event 
requires like a lot of my yeah. time or money or both. And I think sometimes I don't want to drink with my colleagues. I don't want to wake up the next day and mm. have beer fear. And we all have enough interesting dialogue in the day when we're sober. So can't we carry that on to something different at night? Yeah. And I liked the name of this podcast because one of the things we and my team go do is go on walks. That's oh, yeah. our social. <laughs> we'll get a coffee instead and go on a walk. Cool. And some people think that's lame, but. Yeah. Well, I think you get, your, you know, your deepest conversations sometimes with people like, uh, you know, sitting like this, obviously, mm -hmm. but I think some people can't do, you know, I can't, I talk. So just walking next to someone. Yeah, that's true, actually. And having a coffee, yeah, you're not yeah. act actively eye contact with each other but your eyes are you know you're watching things go by you're watching the cyclists run or, mm -hmm. or yeah runners and you're just talking and asking each other questions before you know it that that's a yeah. natural connection instead of we feel comfortable now because we've had a couple of beers and i'm going to tell you i love you you know what i mean and the next morning like shit what did i say to izzy like you know <laughs> what, what i say to my boss yeah well, <laughs> i lost my job brilliant <laughs> a lot of people lose their jobs as well don't they from being on the drink what um what for yourself like what is something you know you just said earlier you you, you know you don't want you love your job you want to be there forever mm. does that excite you that you want to be there forever does it you I, think that... I don't want to be anywhere forever like is mm. there such thing as forever I don't know I love my job I love where I am I love the people that I work with and I love the vision and the mission but quite honestly I don't even know someone asked me the other day what's my five-year plan I couldn't tell you mm. I know that I want to grow and develop and I want more freedom of time that's something I'm trying to work on at the moment but I don't know what I want to do forever. And I don't even know what I want to do. Is this my perfect calling? I'm not sure, but I'm just leaning into it. Isn't that exciting though? Yeah. I think some people get overwhelmed by that. Yeah. They, they want that security. They want that. And there's then... no such thing as security though. Nah. And another book I read was, I think it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It led you to believe that, you know, working for an employer full time is security. I know you've probably been self-employed for some time now and actually you have con complete control over your employment. Mm. Whereas I don't, I work for someone. So yeah. I envy that level of, I suppose, peace of mind that you get from, I know it's stressful. Oh, I think you have pros and cons everywhere. Yeah. Like I might be straight face at the moment. I'm listening. I'm just listening. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's pros and cons of life. Yeah. You know, you can have challenges and I, I, you know, I, I like the fact of, you know, you can have the, the nine to five, but I mm -hmm. like the freedom. Mm -hmm. I like to be able to go, Hey, like there's a, I got, I've got my clientele base today. And then later on today, I can actually catch up with someone and, and yeah. And like, be able to do that and you yeah. don't know what opportunity can come from that instead 100%. of just pigeonholing yourself you go no sorry i'm stuck here today i can't do that i'll yeah. see you in two weeks time on a weekend and it's just like that's my time yeah i'm 100 percent in my side hustle era and i think the world is going that way as well for some people it's not for everyone where i have my nine to five which is more than that but i love it so i don't mind yeah. so i have that stability but then in, in the cracks or the evenings or the weekends i'm looking after the gym that we've invested in or I'm doing my public speaking or I'm doing some consultancy mm. and I think for me a portfolio career is something that I yeah. think will keep me more stimulated than doing the same thing forever because at the same time though is it's not work it's filling your cup up yeah like do you know what I mean doing these things going to these events come to this podcast today it's probably a bit of no this uh, is torture yeah this is <laughs> <me> too. <laughs> but like when you're driving you like there's a there's a bit of like anxiety you go oh i've never met this person before yeah. i've come in the door you know i've heard of him blah 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 yeah um and then you come in and then you talk and, you, and it's that opportunity of yeah, what yeah. where is this gonna go yeah there's no q a today to go this is what I expect what are we gonna say next no i think it's a nervous <laughs> excitement coupled with optimism that mm. kind of like fulfills my work so on a sunday I, in that maintenance job that you had like the bear the fear bear fear the fear the sunday night fear the sunday scaries were probably very real because you just can't be bothered to do the monday job whereas for me everything that i'm doing now i look forward to so i look forward to going to work is that That's sad cool. i like going to work it's not sad at all but yeah. people envy that yeah i think you want to live a life where going to work is an excitement don't get me wrong like you said gary neville says not every day is going to be a great yeah, day that we're human yeah and not every part of your job you're going to like yeah but if you can get up on a Monday or you can get up most days and go, hey, you know what? Yeah. Um, I've got that meeting today. I've got that client today. Oh, this is going to be a good day. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Another Izzyism that I say to myself every day. Izzyism. Is yeah, Izzyism. My friends absolutely tear me to bits for it. But do you know sometimes it's really hard to keep perspective when you're someone like us who you're always like pursuing and mm. working towards gold. I always say to myself, remember when everything you ever wanted is everything you have now. Because where I am now, if it stopped here with this, that would be enough because I wonder. 16 year old me dreamed of this life yeah. and I'm living it so sometimes when we're in this hustle era and I'm always trying to do more because that's just what the way I'm wired I have to stop to think yeah but look at what you've done and mm. take a minute have a cup of tea yeah chat yeah. to Ollie you know, 
I like it. Jeez, you're, you're a go-getter. I'm just a book full you're of rubbish quotes. Hey, I'd rather, I'm a, I'm a book. I've been reading that many books now, but like in school, right, I only had two GCSEs in school. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Because I, I didn't value school. Yeah, school yeah. was like, it's not for me. And that's okay because it's for people, but I'm not, I'm like a, I think I kind of woke up to life after school. Yeah, to be yeah. Like we, I always just thought rugby's the way forward. Yeah, and yeah. Rugby's, you know, it's there, but it's more like, it doesn't define me. Yeah. Work doesn't define me. Yeah. They're just things that make me happy. Yeah. But I just think, you know, you can educate yourself any stage of life, but you just got to decide what you, what you're interested in, what you're passionate about mm-hmm. and give it a go. Don't like so many people just, I think Denzel Washington talks about, you know, d- dreams are just, uh, I know dreams without action are just dreams or something like yeah, that, yeah. basically, or something around that line. You probably know what Goals it is. Goals your actions are just dreams. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And basically, it's so true because, like, like if I had to tell my, if I had a son, I would love to just say to him, "Hey, do things that make you happy." Yeah, which can keep you above float. Yeah, and the rest will work for you. Yeah, yeah. I do think that I think maybe when we were growing up, how old are you? I don't know. I'm 29. Oh, I'm just turned 30. Oh. But when we were growing up, <laughs> she's old. Nah, older, nah. <laughs> um, there was an expectation of like school, college, uni, yeah. or an apprenticeship. And I do think there's like a lot more of a liberal view on like careers and outcomes mm. now. So I think like the education system hopefully it will become more representative of different people in terms of style of learning, mm. passions, what you're interested in. Yeah, I, I hope so because otherwise yeah. I hated um, my A-levels I was absolutely terrible I remember them vividly because it just didn't suit me at all and then I went to uni and there was no exams and I did really well and I played netball and I loved it and I loved the freedom that I got from like quite strict parents to living in Newcastle three trebles for £5.50 so <laughs> I do think there's a there's value in education that's not just yeah. academic there's social value yeah. as well um, and I think there's more, uh, UN Institute is a prime example of how the different routes for education, maybe that would be somewhere that you would have felt comfortable studying, mm. you know, when you were 18. Yeah. Well, uh, that, uh, for me, I was, yeah, like I said, education wise wasn't, didn't pass many grades, but then I, for my parents at that time, it was like, well, if you're not going to uni, well, you got to get a trade. Yeah. So I went down the building road for yeah. a while, you know, did my apprenticeship and that. And then again, that didn't fill me up. Mm-hmm. Going to work and fogging my body was not me. And then. <laughs> And then I continued that when I moved to Australia. But, you know, everyone develops differently too. Yeah. Like you, the penny might drop, might drop for some people, fortunately, at 13, 15, 16, yeah. 18. I was later in life but it, and, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But then I've invested in myself more now in the last five years, mm-hmm. you know, paid for courses, paid for mentors, paid for whatnot to get me, like, I believe we all have a natural talent, yeah. but we've got to enhance that talent. We can't yeah. just think talent's going to get us to the dance. We've yeah. got to, you know, fill it, you know? I think as a coach and a mentor, that makes you incredibly far more well-rounded and mm. approachable and authentic than someone who's had a straightforward upwards trajectory, good grades, mm. privilege, education. That I think, I think honestly, there's so much value to be had from like, having to find and perfect your craft rather than just being handed it on a plate, which so many people mm. are like props to them for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head around trying to find out what your passion is. I did an Instagram story the other day about how if you felt, if you feel like you're talentless, remember that you're not in that. If you feel like you're talentless, but you've always made it work, then that in itself is a talent. So mm. I know so many people who are specialists and I envy them. I envy them because I don't feel like I'm a specialist in anything. I feel like I'm a generalist. I can turn my hands Mm. to most things. But that in itself is a specialism. And I think school would do well to recognize people that are actually, I don't know, high level of extroversion, um, can turn the hand to most things, safe pair of hands, reliable, like good energy and enthusiasm. That in itself is a skill, but sometimes that's just the naughtiest kid in class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. Like they're just Mm. a ball of energy in the back and the teacher doesn't know how to tame it, but they want the best. And I think... Like you said, you, you, what was the word you used that you are? A general, generalist. Uh, generalist, I'm a generalist yeah. yeah. And that's a talent on his own. Yeah. And, but it's identifying that I think some people undermine their talents because yeah. they don't think it's on paper a talent. Have you ever done that? Uh, well, have you done, you must have done that personality test. Yeah, the four uh, colours, all of the Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. And you, was that why you had the generalize? Oh, a generalist, generalist and then like a outward out extrovert yeah yeah larger than life annoying <laughs> not a wallflower it basically says well i'm an i'm an extrovert as well yeah. but i well you can tell probably but then um <laughs> you're looking at the camera <laughs> and then um I'm, cam- I'm a campaigner okay 
Chabona. I'm going to do this again, you know, because I've not done it for years. I'd like to see mm. where I'm at now. And I love the blurb that comes with it. I think everyone should yeah, do a psychometric yeah. test in their life. If anyone's listening to this, Maya Briggs test. Yeah. Give it a go. It's online. It's free. I think yeah. it takes like five minutes. Yeah. Tick and flick. Um, i do it tonight. Yeah, yeah. Campaigner. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's, um, and I think it's good because then if you are in some form of limbo, it kind of identifies you where your strengths are yeah. and what you can pursue with those strengths. So Another thing that I think helps cement what you want to be known for which might be unconventional is building your personal brand mm. and I know we've touched on it earlier but for instance LinkedIn I'm like what can I post on this platform I don't have a voice I don't have a subject area and the more you just force yourself to write by reading and consuming the more you realize the things that you're actually naturally passionate about without having to force it so I've been posting on LinkedIn consistently, maybe for 18 months now, four times a week, which is hard graft. And um, I've realized that the things I enjoy talking about are social mobility, education, talent, and culture. Mm. And so now it's almost uh, reinforced my confidence in those spaces and talking about that. Whereas sometimes we feel like we're just beholden to the role that we're in and the job that we're doing. But actually, if you look at the job that you're doing, uh, whether you're self-employed or in employment, and you look at those core skills that make you good at that job, arguably those are applicable to many more subjects and things. Mm, wow, that's so building a building a brand. Yeah, like you've done that. So because I was going to ask you a bit more on this because mm-hmm. like I'm new to the LinkedIn game. Because when you're saying I'll we'll show you, you out. we'll hook you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's like it's pretty cool because that's the age that we are now. Social yeah. media. If you can build a brand on that, like you've got so many people now that have built brands purely from Instagram. Yeah. I think it's Grace Beverly who owns Tala and Shreddy. She has more followers on her personal Instagram than her both her businesses combined. And that just is the perfect story for why your personal brand is important. If you ever want to have a business, a service, a product, or if you want to work within a different company and have good currency within it. Um, and I suppose that's what I've been doing in building my personal brand. I'm lucky to work for an organization, I suppose, that aren't overly um critical and and focused on censorship because i I recognize that this isn't for everyone because some companies don't allow it Mm. which is wrong and will change i think over time but yeah i I found great power in building my personal brand it's made me feel more confident speaking to new people it's made me um connect with people i would never typically because it affords you a level of scale that you can't get by going to events every week so yeah, I'm always preaching the, to the students about the power of self-promotion and building Definitely. your personal brand because it's, it is like you say, the world we live in and the people that don't want to lean into that, that's absolutely fine, but you're making your life harder. Definitely. That, yeah, you are making your life harder because of the way it's mo- you know evolving, mm-hmm. you know, you can have word of mouth and everything, but you don't, you, your circle is small there. But if you're yeah. doing on a platform which is all over the world. Yeah, there's people on LinkedIn who, are, who I know who've started at a similar time. Um, I won't quote them, but they have hundreds of thousands of, connections and followers and uh, one girl that I know that's absolutely brilliant is called Ellie Middleton and she is an expert on neurodiversity and she's built her entire personal brand on LinkedIn around her um, knowledge share basically value add around neurodiversity and how companies can leverage her insight and the insights of others to better prepare themselves for more diverse workforces and she's done that in I think 12 months and her life has revolutionized she's been wow. speaking in New York she's been speaking in Barcelona at Google like yeah, yeah. I'm doing her a disservice even trying to explain what she's up to and I think if people had said to you and I about TikTok let's say five years ago or LinkedIn five years ago here's an app that can literally um send your career or whatever you want to do with your life stratospheric Mm. you can become a millionaire overnight let's make it about money you'd be like that's ridiculous but actually we have access to those to to those platforms now so it's on us to use them we can't be critical of an influencer that's earning xyz or a linkedin creator that's doing abc if we're not doing that ourselves of course and i think again that's just uneducated if like for me to throw shame on someone Mm. that i'd have no knowledge on Mm -hmm. like i remember at one stage right I'm probably going to get shit for this, but, um, like I'm a, I used to, well, I like Kanye West music, right? Yeah. Same. And I used to be, and I like, like there's some questionable things he's done, but I like him overall. Like maybe cause his music's real. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But I used to be a bit of a Kim hater. Wait there, but I didn't have, I, I had, I purely had a hate on it because I like Kanye so much. I'm the, you know, the keeping up with the Kardashians. I seen yeah. her a couple of times and I was just like, Oh, this is a cringe. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't have enough knowledge on her yeah. or their background to really give a valid, yeah. like a decision on them. Yeah. And I think that's the same concept then. Mm-hmm. 
with social media, people are making money from TikToks. People are making, you know, revenue outside of the norm of the nine to five in an office. They're doing yeah. it. So like, you can't really throw shame on it unless yeah. you know ins and outs of it. I think even when you think you know someone, you still probably don't know their mm. full story. I'm so um, hesitant to ever judge someone for the way they're doing their thing because I don't know their story and I've not walked in their shoes. Mm. But if anyone ever gives me criticism, I'm too much, it's too over the top, I'm all the time, yeah. which is, as you can imagine, is quite frequent. I'll just say oh, that sounds like a you problem. Yes. And they're like, what? And I'm like, too much for you. And I think always I've recognised, as I've matured over the last couple of years, I used to be crippled with insecurity of people that were critical of me. Mm. I've recognised that that is always a projection of other people's insecurities. And I'm not calling you insecure about Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. But I think we're looking at that Kim Kardashian narrative. Again, that stratospheric progress without much work seemingly on the surface. Mm. And we make an an assumption that she's sold her body to get to where she is. When actual fact, there's a very smart businesswoman behind, behind the hustle. So yeah. And that's why, well, for me then I I remember this wasn't yesterday. So a while ago, but I I humbled myself straight away because I was like, Hey, I don't know half, hardly anything on this girl. Your car registration says, I hate Kim. (laughs) Is that yours? It's a sticker on the back saying (laughs) F Kim. (laughs) <laughs> no it's so right there's oh, something come in my head then but like I, I i remember the first ever time i put the phone up and started talking to a phone in the street or yeah whatnot that feeling right oh my yeah. god people are judging me people are judging me Do you remember airpods when they first came out i'd be mm. like, i'd look at someone and be like what a dick <laughs> and now i'm like walking down the street airpods in facetime yeah yeah normal. shouting yeah <laughs> that's just the norm and, but then you know the fear of being judged yeah i don't know if it's because i'm a male and i felt it more like a you know, the manly man, like, look at this guy promoting, talking, talking like, you know, he's he's this dictator or yeah, something yeah. on social media, but you're actually just putting good value out there for people. Yeah, yeah. But there's always going to be someone throwing stones at you. Yeah. And um, like you said, if you finger, if you point your finger at someone, there's a thumb pointed right back at yeah. you. Yeah. And it's a, it's an insecurity them. And yeah, I think, you know, one thing I am grateful for and probably yourself as well is, is you like kind of get this calluses, you calluses your full body. That's all so your true. Mind. And mm-hmm. when you get this nut, like, People say stuff now, and you just laugh it off. You like laugh it off because, like, yeah. you, that. Thank you because you know what? Like all you people that may say that, you still watch my shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I keep you looking st- at my profile. <laughs> I get the notification every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's it's pretty cool, you know. And you lose people in that process. And yeah, that, and that's okay. That's been a big journey for me actually over the last few years. Friendships and. um I used to have such high expectations of my friends because I'm the one that's always there for you. I'm rubbish mm. at texting back, but if you're in a crisis, call me. If you need a job, call me. Um, and I think you start to fine tune that group of people around you once you define who you are and what that stands for. Yeah. And again, it's linking back to your personal brand. It's not just about LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever. It's about like you as a person, what are you passionate about, what are your non-negotiables. Mm. And I hate that term, but like what are the things that you don't want? to be near yeah. like for you at the moment that's alcohol if you can't have friends that can converse with you without it then are you with the right people mm. anyway arguably you are so yeah. lucky you yeah um I, you're so right though. yeah i speak to a lot of my, my close friends at the moment about what you've just talked about fear of judgment fear of embarrassment mm-hmm. and that's a real thing and i don't know if it's more of a feminine thing but i know enough girls with enough brilliant brilliant ideas whether that be creative yeah. ideas business ideas whatever it is and they're not doing it because of fear of what yeah. people might be saying about them. Yeah. And I think that's criminal. And I think that's the one thing that if I could switch off in people right now, the fear of judgment or the fear of embarrassment, mm. I think a lot more people would be a lot happier because they'd be pursuing, the, pursuing the things that they're more passionate about. Yeah. And and you can, with that, right. You can say to yourself then, right. Okay. It worked out. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And and you might be 50 or 60 year old then. Yeah. And you can look back on your life and said, Hey, at least I tried. Yeah, exactly. Don't live with guilt or resentment. Yeah. And, I think, yeah, like like you said, that fear of being judged, fear of losing friends. If you lose those friends, it's it's meant to be. It's anyway. meant to happen. It was meant to happen. Yeah. And you said something earlier, like expectations. Yeah. I, I'm very much similar to you is in that, you know, what I will do for you yeah, yeah. might not come back in return. Yeah. And it's not as if you have an expectation. Well, yeah, it's an expectation because your 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 standard of what you would do for someone is so high. Yeah. And, you know, you're the hype queen. Yeah. And when it comes backwards... It's, it's not the same or yeah. you get nothing, you get, you know, crumbs and you're like, and it hurts you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt that person at all. No. So it's like kind of lowering your expectations or not having an expectation, just yeah. doing things from a good place. Well, I've chosen really, try, I've tried not to lower them. Instead, life's so short and so precious mm. and my perception of friendship 
five years ago was that I needed 45 friends to be cool mm. and popular. Whereas now, like, I would happily just have three friends. You can be yeah. number four. I'd, I'd happily have three <laughs> friends. Oh, okay. Nah. Get nah. <laughs> 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 Enjoy, Wigan. Um, <laughs> we've got to get... <laughs> oh, we're cutting this episode off. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd rather have three or four good friends where I know that we might not speak every day, yeah, yeah. but if they need me or not, I need them, we can yeah. help each other. Because my measure of a good person is not necessarily like their ability to get me a good present for my birthday no. or like to turn up for like a girl's trip. It's it's if my mum's sister, my auntie, called you now and said, Ollie, I'm really stuck. I'm Isabel's auntie mm-hmm. and there's no one else I can call and you help them. That for me is like the foundation of friendship. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the thing that I used to have good time friends where I had a lot of them, mm-hmm. good nights out, but that was it they definitely serve a, perf- a purpose, but like friendship is for reasons and seasons. And I think it's a nice journey to come on to not always be so critical of yourself and not feel like you have that close knit group all the time. Preach. I love that. Reasons for seasons. Yeah. I like that. Reasons <laughs> for seasons. And I, I think that what happened to me once uh, in Australia where I had loads of friends, loads, but like only like one or two true friends. Yeah. Right? And they're still in, like, they're, to be fair, my, my mates from school is three of them. They were just like my, my best mate so we just you know the foundations are built yeah drop of the hat they'll be there and I think this one time I was really ch- testing myself going through all these stages of growth and I want to learn you know put myself first and I got to the stage where I was like okay well if I don't text anyone this weekend mm-hmm. if I just leave my phone on the mm-hmm. side who texts me yeah yeah and it would have been like you know maybe one or two to go for a beer or yeah, something yeah. but it was like are we catching up because of the beer the yeah. social interaction there or yeah. is it purely because you want us connection you know and and it, again, it comes to putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a challenge at times. It's an interesting social experiment, that, because someone like me who was terrible on their phone, like, I'm really bad at being the first to text. Mm-hmm. And so I've had these monthly intentions. And my monthly intention for February was to make sure that I was the first person to check on him, on my friends, because it's always my um, really empathetic ones checking in on me first. So... I think it's, it's a hard one because I'm the sort of person that complains that no one ever is checking in on me and then I've got 55 unread notifications <laughs> from a month ago that yeah, I've not okay, come back on. Different. But like, I think that is a good test of friendship. Like who's checking in on you when you're quiet? Basically, that's what it is. What would you say your, your biggest fear is? In life? Yeah. Have an, have a irrational fear of um, early death. Yeah. All my life, I don't. I must have watched something that triggered me as a child, and I think that is why I feel every day. Do you know when feel Kobe when Kobe Bryant passed away? That yeah. like one of the greatest of all times yeah, yeah. in a freak accident. I was like, oh my God, life's so short, and I, I get these constant reminders about how short and temporary life is. You know, through different means or losing people, and so I have this overarching fear of death. Not because I'm scared to die, but because I'm scared to not spend every single moment that I get the right way. Yeah. That's probably my biggest fear. Yeah, wow. Is that weird? No. I, I, What's I yours? <laughs> Let me digest this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of dying, Ollie. What about you? <laughs> I'm trying to fill the blanks now. Get, get in there. I've got no time. Um, that's. I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people get that fear yeah. of dying early. You know, and like, yeah. even like. Now, obviously, you see things like people getting cancer at like yeah. 30 or younger, and you're like, what? I'm, Yeah. I'm nearly 30. You're 30, not me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, I totally get that. Mm. I think my biggest fear, um, I think my biggest fear was, and I've tried to like meditate on it like, mm. all the time. I think it was always a one stage making my parents proud of me of not making no them proud. no like my fear was yeah of not making yeah, them proud. Yeah, yeah. i think growing up um like my parents education it was important but not that important like yeah. they weren't hounding me to do homework but they took me to you know a sports uh, comp your know, high school um and now like in their eyes it was always about you know he's gonna make it yeah you know, yeah the pressure was on me to make it and then i had a load of injuries and i've had loads of adversities in rugby and that crossroad of an ego identity and yeah. pleasing factors really uh, probably was a fear when it, when that, when that didn't happen. Yeah. And then, um, and then understanding it and becoming aware of it, then I was okay to go, Hey, that's, that's something I've just created. Yeah. I was just going to say I've that. I've created that, you yeah. know? That, and so 
But now I think it's just living, living to the fullest. Yeah, yeah. Not dying, but just living to the fullest. Yeah, maybe death's the wrong, the wrong angle of it. But it's like, oh, what if I've not made the most of every moment? But I think it's interesting what you say about pride because you're projecting your perception of pride onto your parents when they mm. probably just pride that you've stayed alive this long. Yeah. They've managed to go and live in Australia for 11 years and yeah. come back and make good. Like, that is pride. But I think there's a lot of pressure that we put on our parents' perception of us growing up. But have you, I've got older and I've realised that parents are just human beings. Yeah. They're trying to figure it out just like we were. Yeah. We are. Yeah. Imagine us having children now and the child, not together. He's <laughs> up Tiger's first podcast together. <laughs> Let's log off. Um, and the child saying, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a ballerina. I want yeah. to be a barrister. Oh no, that's a rubbish example. I don't want to be a barrister. I want to be... Um, I want to live on a farm in the middle of nowhere and have an off-grid life. Mm. And I would be proud of that decision. Like anything that makes you happy, that should cause your parents to be proud. But we put these false pretenses on us that ne- don't necessarily exist. Yeah. Mm. I, I think some people have the fear of, okay, doing all this education and study, right? And it not amounting to and not, anything. Yeah, not, mm. not actually getting to the final hurdle and going, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And they've done maybe like four or five years of education and, yeah. and that fear of maybe letting down themselves their family yeah but you can still use those skills that they've probably done in that process in other avenues and there's a societal change that is happening at the moment in i won't bore you with education sector news but no in in where lifelong learning and the commitment to that from the government is is in play whereby they want to empower people to learn and study and qualify in different Mm. areas because your parents career Mine haven't had it, but where they've stayed in the same job for 40, 50 years, that does not exist in our society. That's so rare. So I think that stigma about going to practice law and having to be a lawyer, that's just another rubbish example. I don't know why I've been watching Suits. So as you can tell, I'm just trying to be Jessica Pearson. Um, (laughs) I think think that is is going because we will have multi-hyphen careers where we might do five or six different jobs in three or four different Mm. industries. So why are we putting pressure on ourselves to dictate what we do for 60 years when it's actually look at your career as 10, six year careers or six, 10 year careers instead? Yeah. Do you think then because people don't have that long term career job now that it'll be, this is kind of off the topic, but like people, you know, obviously to have a house and get a mortgage, they look for security in jobs or long duration jobs. Obviously yeah. five, six years is okay. Yeah. It, but I mean, do you think it will become more of a renting type of lifestyle now? I think it is anyway, because people are being priced out as first time buyers. So I don't know how that's going to go because I think because the traditional trajectory for success in the UK is to go to school, go to college, go to uni, buy a house, get a dog, have kids and then retire mm. with no gap in between. Um, I think people are concerned about not fitting that mold, but I know more people than ever that are saying balls to that. I'm going to go and travel Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to have a straightforward path or I'm not going to do what my parents did before because that's not right for me. So I think there's a change there as well. Do you think, do you think, you know, the generation, our parents' generation, you know, is have kids early, set up, you know, have a house Mm -hmm. or not. Do you think, you know, as we're getting older now, people are, are becoming older having kids? Oh, they are, yeah. Do you think that's a good thing? Because I feel like, Put yourself in the your shoes of some parents at 21 when they had a kid. Imagine that person at 21. <gasps> As a child. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, <sighs> yeah, no, I, I think about it all the time. It's a very real consideration for a woman in a career. Mm. And it, it weighs heavy because, for instance, if I was to move to a new job now, I would have to work a year before I got any maternity rights, two years before I felt like I was valued enough to go away for a year and come back and still have my role. Mm. So those are things that a constant conversation me and my friends are having at the moment. Like I said, some of them have kids, some of them don't. We're all in very different parties, different boats and um i think that statistically actually less women than ever at the age of 30 are having children it's a jordan mm. peterson pod i'll send it you like jordan peterson i, I, I like jordan to, peterson i went to a live event of his it was unreal really in, yeah yeah some not many not many some women don't like jordan peterson yeah yeah and i understand why because some of the stuff he says as a soundbite is inflammatory but if you listen to the knowledge and the research behind mm. it it is considered in what he says but he articulates it in such a tone that it can be jarring um but but I think what frustrates me about the narrative that Jordan has around the fact that less women than ever at the age of 30 are having children is that Jordan Peterson attributes the, the statistics around women of childbearing age not having children mm. to us only caring about our, our careers. But then also, if you think about it, like a woman has to work now. The stay-at-home mum yeah. 
life is a privilege like that's for people that can afford to do it and that's not a very real place that we're in so we almost mix out like a the women on mass in this mad feminist movement are saying I just want a career I don't want children it's not so much that we're literally trying to balance everything and we're we're living like men from a work perspective have historically done because because that's the society we're in so actually my my choices are driven by surviving and thriving obviously Mm. but also by a very real hierarchical structure which is always in favor of men in industry so Mm. it's it's systemic it's not individuals like me saying i don't want kids yet i'm 30 Mm. it's all let me get to this point in my career before i start thinking about that putting some foundations in place to say we're not going to be sinking or under yeah 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 and maybe i could i could you know, I could have stopped when I was um, a director when I was like 24. Maybe then that would have been enough and I could have had a child then, but that didn't mean anything and mm. I wasn't in the right place to do it. And I, I think it's hard for a man who bases a lot of his facts on science and research, which is fantastic, but there's very little emotion and feeling in that mm. and lived experience from a woman's perspective. So I think that's why women get annoyed by him. I get that. I get what you're saying there. And I think, yeah, society's life has definitely increased. So it's, it's definitely harder. Yeah. It's probably one of those things, you know, I, I look on sometimes, but I don't get too invested in it. Like I, it sounds really ignorant, but like when it comes to, you know, women and men's rights, like I am for me personally, I just take a step back because I'm like, Go do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And that, that might sound really ignorant. Rude. No, no. I've been talking about this. Uh, there's a book by Cheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook, called Lean In. And she talks about how what she's going to address in the book is the fact that as individuals, these are the differences we can make. Because mm. sometimes in my talks, I say there's the, the issues around gender equity and parity mm. in workplaces are systemic. They're not just within organizations, they're within within the whole institution of industry across the globe. So you feel disconnected from being able to make a difference. Mm. But you meeting me and saying my name in a room full of opportunities next week Mm. is is the best thing that you can do as an individual to help make a difference to subjects like that. So I think we need to feel less like we're, we have to learn all of the statistics and the facts Mm. and research about uh, women in the workplace and instead just be better with allies for women or for men or for yes. whoever whoever you want to help i think if you you know you connect with someone and you get on with someone and you're in a like you said a room full of opportunities yeah you know being true to yourself you should be like hey i know someone who could be help amazing for this yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. i think yeah i think that doesn't uh, I think it happens, but not as often as we know. You know, we're quick to... Yeah, I think there's a pressure on us all to be woke all the time. And it's yeah, just not... Nah. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of bed, get your job done and go back to sleep. And I'm like, that's all you're dealing with that day. So how could you possibly be, you know, abreast of all of the all of the different intersections and mm. demographics and adversity that different groups face? That's not the case. If you just go to work every day, try and be a good person, have a mm. learning mindset, ask people how they actually are rather than just saying you're right. Yeah, yeah. Then that's good enough for me. Mm. I went to when I went to London on the weekend. Um, I walked past someone, you know, we're walking along the water, and someone walked past us, and they just, you know, in the morning walk, and I just smiled. I said good morning, and they wouldn't say it back. Oh, I hate that. And That's I, a wonder thing. Though. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. Some of <laughs> you let them know that we're going <laughs> to London. <laughs> and my mate, my, my mate was like, "What are you doing? Like, what uh, do you really? mean?" He's like, "No one does that down here." Yeah, I'm like, "What? Like, why? Why not? Like, we're becoming more lonely as a society." Mm-hmm. And even to this extent that like, what was it? Um, I was in the shops the other day and I was in the queue and there was this girl then she had like two items. I was like, are oh, you just going in front of me? And I know this expectation thing, right? So she went in front of me, she got served, then she yeah. left. Didn't you say thank you when nah, she walked? No, that's rude. And I'm like, is that a me, like, is <laughs> that a me problem? No, was that? A <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Some people are just dickheads, that's Yeah, fair. yeah, I know it is just, it's a shame, but it is, hey, it's just, I think just sometimes you want, you want, good for the world and you know how like you said some people get i can relate to you when you're you know the hype hype queen i'd say i'd be the hype male hype king, king. <laughs> prince, yeah. prince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think some people get off-putted because sometimes we haven't as a society instilled compliments into each other We've not normalize uh, that yeah like, maybe like you know grow i can relate growing up and playing sports like yeah yeah my dad would be quick to tell me what i needed to work on that week he might yeah, say hey yeah. you did good that feeling of him saying good was so, so weird. Good. It's so nice, yeah. so weird at the same yeah. time. And then, but the, the normalization of, hey, you can do this better was something that was instilled in me. Yeah. And maybe yourself at certain stages. So yeah, how yeah. do we break that mold and break that cycle of going, hey, um, yeah. you know, like that's the thing what's instilled in us. 
I don't know. I think, I think, oh, I hate keeping coming back to this, but social media gets such a negative, negative reputation across all platforms, but actually it, has, it is such a, a cause for good as well. Mm. So leaving a fire emoji on your friend's picture is a nice little dopamine hit, but like think bigger than that, right? Drop them a message after you've seen three nice pictures to say, I just want you to know you're glowing lately. You look mm. gorgeous. That's a girl equivalent, but like same for boys. Like if you see a boy post a picture of a game this weekend from the rugby and he, you know, it looks like he's got good form and he looks like happy playing, drop Legs him a message saying, bro, your quads look massive. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret? Needs over toes guy. Like, let me know. And I think just being more forthcoming and less embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not embarrassed. I will reach out to a stranger that I've seen speak or I've seen someone comment on their stuff I did it yesterday I'll read you the message it's like hi Steph just want to know see the work that you're doing you're absolutely killing it I'm sure you get told that all the time but I just wanted to reach out and it's a conscious effort and I think the only way we can make more people do that is if we make sure that we're practicing what we preach yeah and I think you know what what you put out into the universe comes back in yeah. tenfolds I yeah. truly believe that like yeah. just goodness happens when you put goodness out there it comes back I wonder what I'm going to get for doing this podcast <laughs> a couple of car park fines <laughs> <laughs> please don't say that but look is I think we could talk for hours I could go all day I know thank you so much I like literally it's been an hour and five and it's just gone okay. like this I'm gutted <laughs> you want to be rolling? Should carry on? Yeah, if you want to. I've only got, got another meeting. I've got a meeting. <laughs> Cancel that. You're not that special. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Is it what's what's next? How can people find you? Um, preferably on Instagram at JustBusyEasy or LinkedIn, Isabel Panton. Um, I'm trying to do more to help people because I know that it'll come back to me. So if anyone's struggling with anything around confidence, career confidence, careers, CVs, that sort of stuff, hit me up. But likewise, if you're working for a company that would benefit from a conversation around diversity, talent, um, intersectionality, or just general confidence, then let me know and I'll be there. Amazing. Thanks for the plug. No worries. Our last question is I ask Mm -hmm. everyone, what are you grateful for? the roof over my head, my dog, my family, food on my plate, the little things, other things come and go, but actually being dry and warm, especially in the weather like this, I'm so lucky. Amazing. Thank you so much, Izzy. Thank you. Don't just talk it, walk it. Walk your zone. Don't just talk it, walk it. Don't just talk it, walk it. Just talk, give up, give up.